Welcome to How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? My name is Rebecca, and this is the podcast where I interview my friends and peers to figure out, well, how the fuck they got to be so confident. In this episode, I Skype with actor, comedian, and writer Lou Wilson. We chat about how confidence is the space between failure and the next attempt, the benefits of moving your body in a positive way, surrounding yourself with people who have qualities you want more of, and so much more. This is How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? with guest Lou Wilson. Hey, hey. I have like a semi voice. Ooh, look at that. I you know. have a nice little grovel to that. It has like, I some, like it. yeah, it has some grit. Um, yeah. I also Character. have a lovely zit on my chin, but there's pimple medicine on it. Good. I I live for those like little uh those like dot those like things that you like live for those. But live. like I but like I don't have the ones that have like a bandage on them. Do you know what I mean? Do you have the ones that have like a like it's like a bandage that goes on top? No, I have like the clear one. I have like the I got I truly stole like two packs of them from a set I was on. Yeah. So I have like the clear ones that you can put makeup over. Uh Oh, wait. I'm I need whatever that is. One second. Let me I'll, I'll, I'll come get whatever I'll Please. Pull out. I think I still have them. Uh, these are called Acne Pimple Master Patch by Coors X. Um, Wait, hold on. I got to take a picture of that. Oh, hold on. <laughs> it wasn't backwards. Uh, okay, it's perfect. I got yeah, it. Yeah, these I are like, it. I think these are straight up like Korean. Um, now, there's so much, there's a ton of. I'm characters. so excited. I actually didn't like, I guess I didn't know that really existed. Like you could put it on and then put makeup over it. I mean, that's my get. I mean, I think that's what they use it for. I think I, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but well, we're gonna these try. are, yeah, exactly. But they, I've had, I got like two packs of these and they've lasted me, they've lasted me the year, <laughs> but it's, I like my life. There's my life before oh, where yeah. I just kind of have a pimple and freak out and I'm like, well, what am I doing? Uh, and there's my life now where I'm like, oh, look at that. I like uh-huh. that it's like, oh, I have a pimple. What am I doing? <laughs> I mean, I well, because I always have a moment of being like, because I'll always be like, okay, great. How did we get here? Yeah. Like, I can't, I'm like, what did we eat? What meal was it? Yes. Like, uh, what, like, who, like, who stressed me out? Yes. Like, what, what caused this? Yes. It's usually dairy, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Dairy, mm-hmm. stress, and like hormones for, for us <laughs> ladies. Yes. Uh, for me, it's just the dairy and the stress. Yeah, the dairy and the stress. Uh, um, you moved. I, I moved. heard you moved. New space. Yeah, I ran it. Casey didn't recognize Casey for so long at Dune. Uh, he like walked up to me, said hello, and I was like, "Well, that's nice of a stranger to say hello <laughs> to me." Between like the mask and the beard, I was yeah. like, "This is a different person." He um, he does look like a different person. Um, I dig it. I'm into it. So yeah. Uh, hell yes. Hell yes. Well, congrats on moving. That's exciting. Thank you. So it's been exciting. good. I kind of, the only thing is I like cut and burn like everything from like my past. Yeah. So I like sold my bed, my bed frame, my mattress, my, uh, my, like all of my, yeah. the, any couch I had, every carpet I had. So, uh, I kind of moved here with like absolutely nothing. I was yeah. slept on an air mattress for like two weeks. Yeah. Um, 
That's like now, reminiscent okay. of like when you first moved to LA. Yes. Uh, but I never moved because I just moved into my parents' house. This was my real first move to LA. Got it. Because now I'm officially here. Yeah, so, now you're officially here. Uh, you have to have like the moment of being on an air mattress for a little bit to really be course. a real like Los Angeles person. It was, I truly liked it. I felt like kind of honestly, like in that way that I feel like actors get of like, I was like, oh, this is like the cinematic part. This is like <laughs> me like doing really well like moving into my own place, but then still has to sleep on an air mattress. So like really how well is he doing? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I was like on an air mattress, but now it's been like, I don't know, this what used to be behind me was truly nothing, but like now I've got this nice couch, yeah. I've got this fiddle fig, I've got a rug. Uh, so Wait, what's like this? Slowly... What's this situation over here? Um, Which one? The sword? Yeah, what is that? It's a sword? So that that's a sword. Yeah, I um. Oh. Wait, uh, what? This, what is this? this? Uh, uh, yeah. So I um I play D and D online okay. professionally. Wait, that's my, that's my okay. side Wait, hustle. Wait, what? Yeah, I didn't know you did it. I did not. Okay, I didn't know that. This so, is big. Uh, this is big news. Hey, it's I hate you know. Uh, it's I I won't lie. I like started featuring the sword very heavily in my Zoom chats because I, like when I moved in, I was like, there's truly nothing in my house. So yeah. I was like, fill the frame with something so people don't think you're crazy. Yeah, fill, uh, yeah, fill it with a giant sword because then they won't think you're crazy. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, I was like, this is like, this is, I'm being, I'm bearing it all in yeah, my yeah, state, yeah. you know? Uh, you want to you see the true me? It's right here. Uh, but yeah, so I play D&D online for uh, professionally. We're like in, the, we've gone from, in like the last three years, we've gone from like the new kids on the block to like, we're no, we're no, we're not near the best yet, uh, but we are very respected and have a decent amount of fans. And at the beginning of quarantine, one of the fans hit me up and was like, hey, uh, can I make your character's sword from one of the most recent seasons as like a quarantine project? And if I made it, would you want it? Um, and I was like, I mean, that's what a, crazy thing to say of course i'll take it <laughs> uh, and so yeah i met him at a, par a costco parking lot near knott's berry farm and he uh gave me this incredible sword so, that is so cool i had yeah. a friend um who is a part of critical role do you know that yes okay i interviewed her they're the they're the kings oh they're, they're the like kings? the best of us okay I am, okay we are like the, we are like the duke to their to their queen they like okay. run they invented the genre that i now get to play in that's so cool yeah i interviewed her yeah. for a podcast episode um ashley johnson yes yeah uh, uh incredible well she's like incredible outside of D, D, but on top of but in D, D space she's also like incredibly potent yeah and she's just like she's just the nicest the <laughs> nicest person isn't it cool mm -hmm. when like successful people are nice it's wild. I mean, I don't, I don't know where we get it from, but there is something special. It's like, well, you're like, hey, you have, you're so good at what you do. If you want to treat me like trash, that, like, that's totally chill. Yeah, uh, yeah. But we, I don't know. But then when they don't, you're like, whoa. Yeah. Amazing. You're whoa, amazing. <laughs> whoa. How? How? Uh, but that's yeah. so true. Um, well, thanks for doing this podcast with me. Um, sorry, my voice is a little 
raspy. Or maybe I'm not sorry because it's like kind of cool. I think it, I don't know. I think it adds an element of depth to you as the host that I think is oh. bringing the show to another level. Hell yeah. Uh, I feel like I have been on like the Sunset Strip all night and like have been <laughs> chain smoking. And like that is the aesthetic that I want to present anyway. Of course. You know, like uh, so you've just the, if anything, you've just finally you've reached it. We're not going. We're not going back from this. No, we can only go forward. Now I'm cool. Amen. I'm officially cool. You're officially cool. Um, okay. Well, this podcast was all about confidence, and cool. you being a confident man. Um, I wanted to chat with you. So, super pumped to have you. Hey, thrilled to be here and talk <laughs> about myself as a confident man. <laughs> Do you think you're confident? Uh. Well, you know, with this podcast, I've truly I've been thinking about this for like two weeks right. since we since we like made we were like, all right, this is the day we've done it. I've been like, what is my answer? Uh, and because you also like in your email like offered the out of like if you're not confident, we can talk about that too. Yeah. Um, but I would say that I am. I would describe myself as often confident. <laughs> um, like a tick I, box. I would not sometimes confident. Exactly. Often exactly. confident. <laughs> On the like always confident. Yeah. Mm -mm, we're not there. No, <laughs> not no, there no, yet. No. We'll go one box down and say that I am often confident. Okay, you're often confident. And yes. what does this is a new question because I didn't put this Ooh. in the email. Um okay. because I've developed it recently in recent interviews. What does confidence mean to you? Like some people were saying confidence is resilience. Confidence mm -hmm. is uh, curiosity or experience mm -hmm. or um, one person described it as like process and being mm -hmm. more concerned with the process than like the result. So mm -hmm. to you, what is confidence? Oh, I would describe confidence to me, Lou Wilson. Uh, <laughs> how I perceive confidence is the ability to, uh, I think it is, for me, I think it is about that it is the space uh, between failure and uh, it is the space between failure and another attempt. I think people who are confident are comfortable failing in a moment and knowing that a second attempt uh, is there and waiting for them and uh, they can go at it again. Uh, and be met with either failure or possible success. But that, that for them, if for a confident person, when they fail, they know that there'll be other attempts and they know that those things are coming. And so they're able to process that failure in a more positive way mm. so that they can move forward. I think that uh, if you lack confidence, you are, you dwell mm. on, it's hard, hit, failure hits harder and that next attempt doesn't feel as possible. So that the space and time between that uh, between failure and another attempt is filled with doubt and uh, uncertainty and uh, and worry rather than like hope and uh, and assuredness that like we will get to try again. And that also has the potential to lead to success. And you feel like you're in that sweet spot right now. Like you're able to not dwell i think like as in my uh i think when i say often confident i think it's because it depends it depends on which arena of my life i am in but i would say specifically in my career right now i definitely feel like i'm in a place where i 
if I were to fail, I have had enough experience at this point with failure and success to know that failure is not uh, failure is momentary uh, is is a moment like failing is going to happen. And then there are going to be other opportunities that come from that and other opportunities that uh, lead to success. So if something poor, if there's a poor result in one area, I now have like the wherewithal to be able to say and confidence to be able to say that was that and everything else that is out there is potential. Uh, And I think that for me, that is confidence. That's my confidence coming out of me being able to say just because that didn't work. Uh, doesn't mean that all of these other opportunities may. Uh, just because that didn't work, that result doesn't apply to everything else in my life. So how did you cultivate that? That ability to like know that one instance of failure doesn't mean mm-hmm. a lifetime of failure or doesn't mean like I need to give up or quit. Like how did yes. you cultivate that? Or is that something you've always had since childhood? Oh, hell no. <laughs> uh, hell no. I think I am... I think, like, especially as, like, a young person, like, middle school and high school, I was somebody who was generally terrified. I have, like, a memory of, like, being... I remember having a memory of being at the Natural History Museum of Los Angeles cafeteria and eating a grilled cheese with my dad and wanting ketchup to go with my grilled cheese, because that's a delicious combination, Uh, an undeniable delicious combination of grilled cheese and ketchup. And I like remember being like, Dad, can you ask the person for ketchup? Uh, Can you ask the person like at the counter for some ketchup for my grilled cheese? And my dad was like, you ask them. And I was like, you know what? I'm good on grilled cheese, or I'm good with just a plain grilled cheese. That's good. like, I don't know. I have always been, I think I have like a really terrifying, uh, I have a lot of anxiety around being told no. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so a lot of like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, a lot in a lot of spaces in my life, I've been a very unsure, nervous person. And I think improv and comedy were was this one space where people were often assure like you know laughter is literally people being like this is good you're doing good um so it was like this one space that i felt like i was getting told yes often and over and over again um so i think i always had like a level uh but i don't know i i still would never i wouldn't qualify it as confidence it was just like that was a place where i felt like i got told yes a lot more than i got told no and so that was uh that led me to feel like more assured uh, in that space, but I wouldn't say it was, it was like my senior year of college. I had like decided I was going to come, uh, I decided I was going to move to Los Angeles in my like sophomore year. And I had started like, uh, I had started going and performing in the city in Boston and like, you know, just generally like getting out and performing more. And it was a podcast that I listened to. Uh, it wasn't even the podcast. I went and listened to the podcast later and it didn't even hit me the way it, this did. But I was having a conversation with my friend Alex about Jordan Peele's You Made It Weird podcast that was hosted by Pete Holmes. And in it, Jordan talks about how he cultivated a level of confidence that like he was able to go out and bomb on stage and like walk away and kind of go, you know what? 
here are the moments that were still good in that. And here is how I still did a, like, here's how I still uh, was able to, here's, here's how I shined, even though those people didn't see it in me. And I, there's something that like resonated with me in that, that I just kind of like, was like, you need to, you need to get there. You need to get to that place. And I think that's where at least, all of that to say that it wasn't, I think it wasn't until I moved out to LA that I started really, I think being like, you know, consciously being like you, this is a space where you do well. This is a space where you are good. And you need to know that about yourself, regardless of if you get laughs, regardless of if, uh, of if somebody comes and tells you, you did a good job, regardless, you are good at this. And you can look backwards and you can look at your past and you can look at your successes and you can say, this is good. You are good. Um, and you can know that one moment of failure is not is not telling of what you are. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah, uh, that feels like <clears throat> that feels like one of those like not being attached to the result, but instead yes. like reveling in process. That's like something that is new to me, but was brought up mm -hmm. in one of these interviews, which is like non-attachment, not attached yeah. to the outcome, but instead reveling in the process. I think that's so important in, in yeah. the society. We're such a results oriented society. Yes. Um, that we forget that it's, it's really about the process. When you were in Boston performing, was that stand up or improv? Improv. Okay. I've been doing improv. Improv, and I think that's also, it really, this level of confidence only applies to my improv life. And I think that's a big part is because I've been doing it. I'm lucky enough that I found improv when I was 14 years old. Wow. Or, yeah. So I've been doing it. I don't know. It was always like interesting because like, like that was like, it was this little, it was like the seed that I had on my peers in like UCB 101 and 201 and 301 that like helped me cultivate this, this sense of confidence because I would walk into the room and like, that's what I would hold on to is like, even if I fail, even if I can't, even if my scene doesn't go well, I've been doing improv longer than anybody in this room. Mm -hmm. Um, and I need to remember that I need to remember that my instincts are sharper and stronger because I've put in more work. Um, and so that's I don't know. Those are the kind of things like uh, I that's that would that's like the that was one of the things I like held on to. I think like you're saying in that like non-attachment sense is like I what I am attached to is my process, and I've been working on my process for uh, eight years before I moved to Los Angeles. Right. Um, and I don't know. I can't let a bad scene, a bad show, a note from a teacher like interrupt or. Uh, change that yeah or shake that confidence right so does this this confidence in improv does it bleed into other areas of your life whether it's career or or personal this like sense of confidence um absolutely not uh, <laughs> uh truly no it's 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 i think been one of like the interest interesting like elements of my life yeah. is like I was able to find that confidence in that space and it has always only existed in that space. Uh, I think like you were talking now at like a point in my life where I think I've recognized that lack of confidence and have been like, 
working at that, uh, at trying to manifest that same kind of feeling in other elements of my life. But I think like, especially high school, college, especially like my first, uh, like two or three years out. And then like into my two first two or three years out here, I think like I, I was on another podcast and recently described like the place I feel the safest in my whole life as being the stage, because it's the one place in my whole life that I, truly feel like I'm in control and I know what I'm doing Um, and I know how I'm going to be received. And I think a lot of the rest of my life, I've never had that. Um, So uh, yeah, only, only, it has not bled at all. What about like auditions and stuff? No. Oh, I guess uh, I'd say that was like learned, but I think that that did take an extra step. I think in the beginning of auditioning, it was terrifying. Like when I first started going in, I think I would, I would, I would, ha- I would do that thing of like, uh, I want to say I like not blacked out, but it would be like this crazy. <laughs> like I would like my like heart would race. Like when they were like, I don't know. I like, I know in my first couple of like live auditions, there were a bunch where I was like, can we just start over? Like where I would just like blank in the middle. Um, because it was so like different and like you know there were no laughs to be heard. Right. Uh, I think I'm I'm there now, but I would say it, I'd say yes, it does bleed over. It did have like light bleed into other elements of my career, but I think I still had I think I had like a couple of hangups when I first moved out here around like acting. I think I was like I'm an improviser. I know how to improvise. As soon as I get like a script, I think that took another level of like work and you know I used to I used to work my auditions like to the bone when I first moved out here I had like a friend Tim in North Hollywood who I I can I can only the hours and hours I spent in his studio apartment like running auditions over and over again to get them to a place where I could feel secure mm-hmm. um but um was that helpful yeah, I think, running them that much or was it like over prepared? Uh I think I think looking back on it a, a a good amount of it was over prepared. Like I think I eventually came to realize that I lacked a level of fle- like we got to mm. a place where I just lacked flexibility where mm. they'd be like, "Hey, be less serious." And I'd be like, "Okay, well, I'm going to say I'm going to say the same." Uh, <laughs> like it's, it's, uh well, I'm going to try and I'll tell you I'm going to freak out and maybe just kind of, like I don't know. Uh it, I could not, uh, I couldn't like, sh- I like, that was like eventually, I mean, I, st- I got lucky in that I was still able to have success with some of these over-prepared auditions, yeah. but I did like eventually get to a place where I was like, okay, I'm walking into rooms, getting thrown a note and it's flipping my world upside down. Wow. Uh, Cause I just, I was like, I know how to do what, what I, prepared. I, what I prepared. Right. Uh, what did you go to college for? I went to, I was going to go into PR. So uh-huh. I have a communications degree. Nice. Uh, I and I almost minored in Italian. Um, I didn't know that you speak Italian or not anymore. I speak just a bit of Italian. Cool. Uh, and at a different time in the quarantine, I was taking Italian tutoring to try and get it back. Um, but yeah, I, I lived in Italy for about. I studied abroad and lived in Italy for like three months. Oh, cool. Uh, and like took a class in Italian. I like at one point in my life I was fluent in Italian. Um, so 
it's it's in me. Yeah. But yeah, I, I was not, I mean, I went to college because my mother is like a lawyer and was like, you're going to college. And there was a moment where I almost got a theater major, but then I decided I wanted to go to Italy more than I wanted a degree in theater. So I cut, I like got rid of that major. Yeah. And, but was just like, I mean, I knew when I grew up, I knew I wanted to do improv. That was like all, that is as far as my brain thought. So um, I, uh, so I didn't, I don't know. I think there was part of me that was like, it's okay that I don't get a full theater degree. Yeah. I like, you know, we're going to go do improv stuff. And I already do that without that. Uh, born so, in Boston? So I was born here, born okay. in Los Angeles. Okay, break it down. You were born in LA. And why uh, did you go to Boston for college? Yeah, went to Boston, uh, Boston College four years. Uh, got, had, you know, was foolish enough to think that the East Coast might have. I was like, I'm tired of sunshine. I want, cold. I want sleet. Uh, uh, yeah, I want cold. And uh, yeah, so my dumbass went to Boston, and I got cold. And I was like, this is insane. You live like this all year. Yeah. Um, and so uh, promptly moved home. But yeah. So you're from L.A.? You're born in from L.A.? LA. Oh, Grew up uh, further east in uh, in the Pasadena, Altadena area. Oh, lovely. Uh, um, and my family is still there to this day. Cool. So what was, what was growing up like as a kid like? Was confidence mm-hmm. something you had as a kid? Or was that something uh, your parents like – instilled in you or was were there other qualities that they wanted you to have maybe confidence wasn't one of them i think confidence is something that i was uh was uh was attacked in me i think like i grew up like a big kid like and physically big i was like i was like i was like i was obese as a child uh i was part of the obesity epidemic epidemic in america um and I had like a moment when I was like ten, where somebody like body shamed me at a pool, and it like fundamentally broke me. I mean, that's it, like a big thing. Like that's not yeah. a little thing, especially at that age. Yes, I think, and especially because I wasn't having any experiences of like, I wasn't having any like body positive experiences at the time. I was right. just having like my family try and like get me to a healthy weight. So I like knew there was already something wrong. And then I had this like person verbally like insult me. And that kind of like made me go like, okay, not only is this like wrong and something I need to work to fix, but it's also something that uh, I should be ashamed of and that people notice about me and see in me when I am uh, like, that is something they they see in me. Uh, and like immediately feel some type of way about, which is my this thing that I live in. Um, so I don't know. I grew up like uh, I grew up with a level of like uh, with like incredibly low self esteem hmm. um, in my life. And I think my the things I the qualities I got from my parents are that my mom is like a is my mom is like a lawyer and a brilliant talker and an incredible, uh, and an incredibly educated woman, uh, went to Columbia law and my mom was sick. And, uh, I don't know from her, I think I got the values of like the importance of like being educated and intelligent and being able to communicate that you are educated and intelligent, um, and being able to like speak well and like present well, 
you know, all of the things that my mother does when she's like litigating in her courtroom, I feel like I'm good at in life of like the ability to communicate and uh, sound eloquent and mm. sound like you know what you're talking about. Um, so there's like, I like that was, I feel like the main quality I got from my mom and then from my dad. It was like my dad's like, uh, my dad was a child counselor and just a, uh, all of the things I do well listening I got from my dad. It's like my dad wow. is like a quiet man who like sits and like hears you and asks very like pointed and specific questions. Um, That's a good combination. So it's a so I mean, they work well together because my mom talks like nonstop and my dad is just there present. Um, yeah, so, but that's nice. Uh, I, hey, they're still married to yeah. this day. Uh but yeah, so I think like it was my mom was my like so like I got good at talking and I got good at like and I got confident at speaking, but I think like even with these like two qualities of like being good because like I and I would like distill these two things down to just that like I'm very good at being social like that's what I got from these two people is like I can I can hold a conversation because I can talk but I'm also very good at. Uh, listening, receiving information, and like uh, articulating that I uh, making people feel heard and seen. Um, but uh, even with all of those things, the way that I felt about myself has always been like in a has for a long time been in like a very like diminutive and like less than place. Um, and I think like it wasn't until I started performing that I found the thing about myself that I liked. Um, and so, yeah, I would say it wasn't until I was 14 and found performance that I found something that actually made me feel like I'm good. Yeah. Uh, and I think I began to like clutch onto this thing of performance because I was like, oh, this is the one place in my whole life where I feel like I'm perfect or, or like not perfect, but like where I feel like I am, uh, there's nothing wrong with me. Yeah, in this where you space. shine. Exactly. Was the weight, the weight um, issues, was that like your, your, one of like the traumas growing up? Was that like the biggest, the biggest issue? Was that? Yeah. How did you I think deal with like, that? I didn't. I think mm. I like, I don't think I dealt with it until two years ago. Oh, I think I, okay. Like, yeah. I think I've spent, I did a lot of like, um, I did a lot of like, you know, I just like didn't think I would like boy if like boiling it all the way down. Uh, it was like I was not lovable. I think it's like especially like in a romantic sense. Yeah. Um, I think I generally assumed that like no one could see me and be attracted to me as a person. Mm. Uh, I everyone everyone would want to be my friend. Nobody would want to be my partner, uh, girlfriend, boyfriend, anything like that. Um, and I think, uh, but that I think like had a ripple effect out to just like, well, I'm, I'm less than I'm like in, in life. I, uh, I think I held myself more as like a follower. Like I'm not the kind of person who could be a leader because I'm not the, you know, uh, yeah. that's, I'm not that kind of person. I don't look like those kinds of people. Um. I'm the butt of the joke. I am the I'm the one who brings energy into the room. What do you think those people look like when you're like I don't look like those people? What do those people look like? 
Oh, well, I mean, when you go to Boston College, those people look like uh, like big, tall, white men. Mm. I think, like, I've also, like, something I'm realizing recently is, like, you know, I spent my whole life in, like, white spaces. Like, I am a black man, but my mother moved me and our family to the suburbs so that we could be going to better schools and having, like, uh, better resources at our disposal as we grew up. Uh, and with that, I went to schools that were predominantly white. Uh, my high school was an incredibly white space. Uh, my middle and uh, elementary school were incredibly white spaces. My college was an incredibly white space. Improv is an incredibly white space. I think in terms of, like, role models and the kind of people that my peers were attracted to, the kind of people that we uh, – that were – you know, in the way that like what I learned from the people around me, the information I got, uh, it was that people who are in charge don't look like me. People who are uh, who are attractive don't look like me. Uh, people who are like desirable, who you want to be in your group or on your team or in your life often don't look like me. Uh, and so that put it on me of like, well, I will be the funniest most energetic, uh, most like whatever you want me to be person that I can be so that you give me a sense of belonging in this space because it's not inherently there. Wow. Um, That's like so a that, lot. It is. And so it's this, but it's this crazy thing because then it's all of my best skills and talents come from that feeling It's like that, that desire to fit in and feel like I belong in these spaces like meant that I was like, you know, we talk about being on a lot in this city. It's like, it meant that I was on 24 seven. I think that there are people in my life who I, it's been like a very, it's been like a reckoning I've been having this summer of like the people in my life who I feel like I am confidently and hundred percent myself with is very low. Mm. Uh, I, I know a lot of people and I'm friends with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, but that, you know, that all has come from this place of wanting to feel like I belong there uh, because I, it, it is not inherently because of my experiences in my past. I haven't I haven't been taught that 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 is inherent for me, that that because of who I am, that I oh, that that is like uh, that's something that is. Uh, oh, oh, what am I trying to say? Uh, like that, that 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 feeling of belonging and acceptance is not inherent and in that I have to work to earn it. Right. So, OK, so let me just reiterate what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, that was so much. Uh, I, I mean, that's that's three months worth of therapy since like uh, like since around May. So uh, I mean that well, one, I can tell that it's something that like you've been working on and thinking about. Two, I should also add, I don't make this podcast for surface conversations. So, like, this is, like, what this podcast up, is about. Dude? We're here, We're dude. here. We're, we're doing it. Mostly because I'm not interested in surface conversations. They don't fucking, what do they do? They don't, we don't grow here. from surface conversations. Amen. We don't fuck with that. Um, so, what I'm hearing is that you have to be, quote, unquote, on. You have to placate to the room. You have to make the room comfortable you you per, you personally do that by laughter by being funny so that other people welcome you into the space and that you feel like the space is a space you can occupy is that right yes yes that's that that's sounds, right on that Better sounds than... hard 
Uh, yeah, it. Uh, I don't know. I think you like. Uh, it's it's so hard. I think I like got good at it though because I think I started doing it in high school and I ne- I just never stopped. It became just like my normal. Uh, and I think I was. It was always a thing for me of like I would like to have as many friends as I possibly can because every friend I have is the ability to generate that feeling of belonging and acceptance. So what happens when you're alone and you're not around people? Oh, I'm sad. Yeah. I was. I think I like. It's very, I'm ha- like, you know, in the last three years, I've realized, like, you know, I think it wasn't until I moved out to L.A. that I was, like, diagnosed with, like, high anxiety. Um, and it's, like, it's it was, like, you know, all I know is, like, those spaces were filled with just a sense of, like, I don't like myself. Right. And, I you know, if anything, I spent a lot of time dreaming about... I think like a very characteristically Lou thing is I spent a lot of time dreaming about the person I want to be. Uh, Like, especially like high school and college, it would be dreams of like, when I am blank, I will be blank. And most of those were around my body. And it's like, when I'm thinner, when I'm healthier, I will be this thing and I will do these things and these things will happen to me. Um, So yeah, I spent a lot of time like dwelling on what I hoped my future would be. But then, you know, the truth is when I am, like you said, giving so much, you know, working so hard for everyone else, I'm not doing anything for myself. So I wasn't working out. I wasn't meditating. I wasn't like, none of the things I was doing, none of the things I was doing were for me. So I just end up with no time uh, for myself, I'm not working out. I uh, and I'm not working through the stress in a healthy way. So now I'm stress eating. So now I'm gaining more weight. Um, so at what point? At what point did that switch? At what point were you like, I need to start working on myself. I need to do things for me so that I can be authentically me and like connect to what that even is. Because I can imagine, at least for me, I. Did, uh, there was a point in my life where I'm like, I don't even know what I like because I've been doing what everybody else thinks I should do. So like, what do I even enjoy? So yeah. I, I, was, did you, did, was there a point where you were like, man, I just can't do this for other people anymore. I need to focus on me. Or like, how did that happen? Cause it sounds like you're, you're talking about the last three years you have been more focused on that. Yes. Was, did something happen three years ago that made you want to work on yourself? Did something happen three years ago? I'm trying to think. I like, yeah. I think, so I think the dominoes are, what are the dominoes? I think they're, hmm. Or did you just like wake up and you were like, I, I mean, I don't know what you do. Like, no, did I'm you tra- start going to therapy, but like what I was I think the therapy is, therapy is part of it. Yeah. I'm trying to, I think like, I'm trying to think if there's, for some reason, I'm very connected to this moment, like this memory or like the time I was in Italy, because the time I was in Italy is this like big shift because I go to Italy. I like hang out with this small group of people. This is in college. This is in college. And I think uh, I don't think it's eh, no, I'm going to skip Italy. I think Italy is the first time I do less, though. It's like a big uh, Italy is the going to Italy and being there for three months, not being in Boston, not being in such a like uh, 
like American white space. Yeah. Like I think there's almost a discomfort that all of the other Americans, the other white Americans feel in being in Italy. And like we were in like a smaller town that would, that doesn't speak English. Like we were all kind of moving from a place of disadvantage. And right, I think, you're on the level know. playing field, kind of. Exactly. Uh, and even though, you know, Italy, Italians are also white. Right. They're like, we were with... Like, I don't know, the white people around me weren't as, like, like, I don't know, there was just something there that, like, I remember feeling less on, and I had, like, a smaller group of friends, and I didn't give a shit about, like, a bunch of people on the trip. I was kind of like, I don't fuck with, it was the first time I was like, oh, you guys suck. Like, I confidently was like, these people suck. Um, Yeah. And I don't want their approval. Um, And so, and I don't, like, I lost a ton of weight there. Uh, It was like, I felt like better there but then we go back to boston and it all comes back um but i would say it starts three years ago that is a tangent that for some reason i was just hanging on to the real first domino i think is i was at uh i was i had booked a series regular role on tbs like in 2016 and i shot it uh, I shot it over like in the fall. We had like a straight to series order. It was like this crazy, like all the things were working. Everything's worked out perfectly. Uh, it was like straight to series order. I was a series regular. It was crazy. I like lived it. I was still living in my parents' house. I like had to borrow the car to go to set. Uh, like I would drive my dad's car. Like, I don't know. I was late for set like twice because my dad was too busy playing tennis. Playing tennis. It was crazy. But everything, it had been great. Uh, I felt great about the first season. Uh, uh, everyone felt like we were a shoe-in. It was right when like TBS was pivoting. Everyone felt like we were a shoe-in for season two. I had plans to go back to Italy in the follow. Like uh, we were gonna, I, like it had been about a year. The show was about to premiere. It felt like we were gonna hear about season two in a couple of days about the renewal, um, and. Uh, and I, yeah, it, I like kind of had planned out the rest, the like following kind of next couple of months of my life, which is like, go shoot season two, go to Italy in February, be, be and live well. And I got a call from, I was at a piano lesson. Uh, and I got a call from the showrunner that was like, hey man, want to let you know we got renewed for season two, but you're not coming back. And I was like, ha oh. I remember, I remember it was the craziest, like, uh, like I got new, like it was a real Hollywood moment cause I got news that broke me, but I like smiled through it. It was like, oh, wow. Well, I'm so excited for you guys. And thank you so much for the opportunity. It was so much like, thank you for giving me a shot. I appreciate you. And I am appreciative for all those things, but it was like, that was devastating news that I was just like, it's all good, Greg. Uh, and then I remember my piano teacher was like, what is, what was that? And I was like, no, I'm not going to be on season two of my show. Um, and it was, uh, I think it was a moment that I had where I realized, I think I got really down and sad after that. And I remember talking about in therapy how, I think that's when I came to the realization of like, the only part of my life that makes me feel good is working. And the fact that I just got work taken, I just had work taken away from me and I'm only left now with my life as it is, I'm deeply, deeply unhappy. 
And I think that there had been something to like the first couple of years and kind of the rat race of like coming up in Hollywood and like being just every day being engaged with like focusing on how to make a career that now that I had like the beginnings of one and now that it was in a break, I think I just realized, oh, I'm just deeply, deeply sad when I'm not when I don't have work to hang my hat on when I can't say and point at the thing that I'm working on and say you should feel good because you are acting on that thing when I don't have that I'm deeply deeply sad and upset um and uh that's it was that moment in acknowledging that feeling that I was like oh okay well why <laughs> like why yeah. am I so sad um and that was like that was like the beginning of of that was the first domino in what has become like three years of like being like of just tackling each of those like major issues around like uh my body around dating and around like uh i think now kind of the last piece of the puzzle being like uh what it means to be black in and like over my uh, what it has mean to be black in the spaces that i have my life has existed in um is like kind of coming to terms with these three things that i've always uh i haven't known either i've held in a very negative light or not known how to hold. Um, and, you know, happy to say that I now like my life a lot and yeah. I live alone and it's just me. And I, uh, and I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm happier. I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of joy in my life is I think the way yeah. I like to think about it. Well, also it's like, <clears throat> it's so hard to tie our worth to external things, right? Because mm -hmm. they will go. There's, yes. I mean, in life, there is nothing that's permanent, right? So, like, it's really getting internal with it, which is, like, yeah. so hard because, one, there's, like, tra inevitably there's trauma that we have to work through. But, two, mm -hmm. there's, like, there's nothing uh, physical to, like, attach it to. You're, there's no, like, place you're going or, like, yes. you know what I mean? So, it's, like, it's really hard to – that's, like, really – a challenging and I think like lifelong journey yes. but how do you personally work on that you mentioned therapy so you go to therapy yeah. or you were going to therapy still going to therapy nice uh, god does god does therapy need to be like just a thing it's like it just needs to be a thing it i think like like for me it's like i consider it just like for me it's as important as at this point in my life uh, and of course, this is from a place of like, you know, the privilege of uh, comfortably having like SAG insurance and the ability to like afford it. Um, are you are like you the, are you losing your SAG insurance? Uh, I uh, yeah, probably with that with the with insane the hike. Insane it's so crazy, dude. Yeah, uh, our household's experiencing that as well. It's uh, it's a fundamental. I like I don't know. It's insane. It's insane. That number. Yeah. That number is unreal. Like, mm -hmm. it's... Who hit... So few people will hit that. This year. Like, the people yeah. who... Exactly. This year. This year. That this idea year. that it happens this year is uh is kind of, like, sick. It's sick, it's right? It's sick, yeah. It's sick. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, we digress, but yeah, that's... We digress. Uh, it's bullshit. But yeah, for me, it's, like, the gym. It's, like, yeah. it's that same level of, like, this is where I go to work that part of my body out so that I can be stronger the rest of the week and be more clear. Um, 
I know. I think it, especially with like having anxiety, it's like it's crazy to think back on how much issues and things dominated my headspace. Like when I was like growing up and like young and high, it's like these things would. I like I have a memory of uh, like even like out here, I have a memory of going to a party. Uh, my anxiety is so bad that I like I went to a party once, uh, and I pulled up to the party. And I texted my friend and I was like, hey, I'm here because uh, it was like a friend's house that I it was his friend's house. He was like, come to my friend's party. Uh, and my anxiety was so bad at the time that I like got there, pulled up, texted him, was like, can you meet me outside? Uh, he never texted me back. I spent like 15 minutes just kind of visualizing a bunch of different versions of me walking into this party. And every time somebody goes, who the fuck are you? And I go, I'm sorry. And I like. Uh, and I'm like deeply uncomfortable that I like wandered around outside the like the party for 15 minutes. And then when my friend didn't text me back, I got in my car and I drove home. Like I like, you know, I like I have to go work. I need that space to like go work this out so that I can be clear when it comes to like the rest of my life. Um, but, yeah, I think it was like about it was about like um, it was about like therapy has been a big part of it. And then I think just uh It wasn't about like losing weight, but it was about being healthier. It was about like making choices um, for my body and my health that that I think supported my self esteem and supported Mm -hmm. me being the person that I wanted to be. Um, And so yeah, I started like uh, I like uh, I had moved out. I think also moving out was very important. Because I like, you know, I think I had been, it was tough to become a new person in a space where I had been something for so long. So moved out, I was in my own space and I was able to like, uh, like create a di- like, I don't know, I found the whole 30 diet, which I love. Oh, yeah. uh, and so I became, I started doing that and I just saw this like big shift as I just felt better uh, physically. I started exercising more. Uh, uh, my friend uh, Brennan Lee Mulligan uh, is somebody I work out with. Uh, we work out three times a week and have been since uh, 2018. Uh, and that was like, I don't know, uh, regardless of like my physical appearance and how I feel about that, I think just uh, I've now have a level. I think I used to, I don't want to say, I don't know, this feels like strong and maybe inappropriate, but like, I don't want to say I like disassociated from my body, but I had just a, I had zero connection with my body mm. as a person because I didn't like it. I like didn't think about myself physically. Yeah. Those were like I like the space I took up, how I felt. Uh, I I didn't want to acknowledge that because I was so uh, I hated it so much. So it was like you know starting to work out and eat better. I started to you know create and have a level of like consciousness about my body that I think uh, I know how to, I now know what makes me physically feel good. I now know what makes me physically feel bad. I know, I now know like the, how much, how important working out is to me feeling good and in, uh, and comfortable in my own skin. Um, Isn't it crazy going from like, you say the word consciousness and I'm like going from a place where like, that's not even something you thought of ever Yeah. to now being like, oh, this is something that like, I think about. 
I don't know. That at least my journey with that, it's like I can't believe I never thought of that before. Like yeah. but I didn't, you know. It's insane to yeah, to like have that moment, that light bulb moment of being like, oh wow. Like I can tell the difference when I've drank like a glass of water to when I've like consciously like made sure I was drinking like enough water. Right. Like it's like something as simple as that of being like, I now know what it feels like when I've like when I'm dehydrated and I now yeah. know what it feels like when I haven't eaten. Um yeah. I, I now know like I don't like, you know, I now know like the feeling of like uh when I've overeaten. Like I'm very conscious of that feeling. Yeah. Uh like I don't know, there's just a level of connection between me and my body and how it feels that I'm realizing I just didn't have for twenty two years. Yeah. For twenty two years I wanted nothing to do with my body, so my body was whatever uh my body felt things and I like was like fuck and worked through and like I don't know, if it was bad I worked through it. If it was good, I didn't care. But like um yeah, I don't know. I think like me and like, you know, I started uh, something I did right before the pandemic is I started taking like private dance lessons because I just wanted to do something with my body that was positive and that made me like connect with it. Yeah. But it's like I move you because uh, yeah. I think it's something that I it's something I pushed. It's something I never wanted to do right. is acknowledge my body as anything other than a vessel for the thing that people liked, which was my mind and me being social. Um, so that's so yeah. big is like finding ways to move your body in a way that feels good. Like it doesn't yeah. have to be for weight loss. It can just be mm-hmm. the connect with the vessel that is in a, housing your mind. Exactly. In a positive and like, I don't know, in a way that makes you feel good because I yeah. think, all I was taking from my body for so long was pain and uh, and like uh, you know uh, negative thoughts, but you know a more eloquent way of saying that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but that's yeah, huge. It's like intuitively, it's like this intuit this concept of like intuitive eating, this concept of intuitive yes. moving um, mm-hmm. instead of like restriction and um, yes. like punishing. Yes. Wow, that's big. Uh, you mentioned like piano lessons you mentioned dance lessons you're mm-hmm. such a creative person uh yeah I, well i think that was other things my parents made me do like my parents made me uh learn my i was playing an instrument all of my uh, all of my young life i don't have the patience for any of them so i played like i took piano lessons for in the beginning then i joined a choir and was singing then i played saxophone until uh, all through high school and then in college I sang on and off uh, but I uh, yeah it's always been like something I it's always been something like that my that was like my parents were like do this uh, and it's something I like I like it I think I'm a big fan of creative outlets uh, especially as as I've had success and my career has become more like you know it, I work enough now that like my creative endeavors when their work are work, it's like, oh, I'm working. It's not, yeah. uh, it, this is not like play. Right. When I'm that becomes your career, it. it's like, well, what's yes. your new like hobby or outlet or whatever? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I, piano, I tried and that didn't like, I tried again and that didn't stick. Uh, dance, I think I'm still like, you know, when dancing is safer, uh, yeah. dancing is probably safe now, but like, you know, when I'm feeling more confident around yeah. dancing, 
safely. I'll probably try and work that back into my life. Uh, but right now it's been, I think like my creative outlet has been a lot of like cooking. I think I found like cooking to be a really fun expression of like, uh, and it's also like physical. So it's like, I get to like be using my hands yeah. as well as like my creative thoughts of like, Oh, let's oh, paprika and tarragon. Maybe yeah. like, so it's like, um, that has been like a really nice opportunity to uh, play and be creative in a space that uh, and like have that creativity in a in a non work oriented space. Yeah, but like that's really cool because I feel like not everybody goes and seeks these creative outlets. Like, yeah, the fact that you go and seek out dance, that you go and seek out cooking, that you go and seek out like I think you mentioned like uh, going back into Italian and like figuring yeah. that out like. That's like huge. And so like <laughs> it is though. Like people don't do that. So like yeah. fucking that's so rad to me. Um Hey. Thank you. <laughs> uh, uh what is your as we start to wrap up, but like I wanted uh, to know your relationship with like role models. Cause you mentioned a little bit about like about being in these like predominantly white spaces and like not seeing uh, versions of you reflected in that. And mm -hmm. I guess I, I find role models like so important and mm -hmm. I don't know, I guess I'm wondering like, do you have any experience like being someone's role model or having mentors that mm -hmm. like, people you look up to or like, what is your relationship with that? Yeah, I think like role models wise, I think I, you know, I, I like, because they weren't, I'd say role models for me have always, has always existed on like two levels. I think I have like my like big, big, you know, classic like childhood type role models of like, I think like Dave Chappelle, Eddie Murphy, um, Jordan Peele later yeah. on. Donald Glover, uh, like these, like these, like these, like you know, these like monumental celebrities. Right. I think those are the people who I watched on TV and I clocked and was like, I want that. What you do and the way you make me feel, I want to. I think I could give that to other people if I was ever in your space one day. Yeah. So I think I always had like I held them. I always had like those people. And then the the thing I role models like the way I would describe it in like how I was when growing up and like more like relevant in my daily life was I think I've always done a thing of, I think I surround myself with people who are, who have qualities and things that I admire, but don't have, uh, yeah. like, you know, in high school, I hung out with all of like the smart kids like my friend Vince would later go on to like go to Yale and I like but I like loved hanging out with Vince because of like you know getting to be with him and around him and like learn from him of like how does somebody who has the things that I don't have how do they move how are yeah. they how did is there a sense that I get of how they got those things of like and then of course we're also friends and I care about them right but like but that like one of their core traits that attracted me to them is that they are a person with something that I lack, that I am interested in, you know, never, and, and not so explicitly in the way of like, hey, Vince, you're so smart. How'd you do that? Right, it's right, like, 
is there just is there some weird osmosis by being with them and in their space that I get to learn from them how they are how they've gotten to be this way? Yeah, uh, it's like surrounding like, uh, yourself with people that are different than you, with qualities that yeah. you respect and would like to have more of. Yes. Yeah, but that's so cool too because like. People oftentimes want to surround themselves with people who are similar to them, right? And then it's like, yes. I mean, that's not. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there's anything exactly. wrong with that, but like, there's something big to surrounding yourself with people that have different things, you know? Yeah. I think I also had, uh, I also had those friends. I also had friends right. who were like, I think, more similar to me. But I think like. I always had, and I think there's also something, I have a lot of very confident friends for obvious reasons that we've talked, like yeah. confident in life friends. Yeah. Uh, but like for all the reasons we've talked about before, but it's like I also have like surrounded myself, like my friend Evan from Boston is like, you know, one of the most like unflappable people I've ever met. And it's like, it's like there are a lot of those kinds of people in my life who like have that quality that I see. And I'm like, how, how do you have that? Um and I've only had like I, th- I would say one mentor in my life is uh, who is like a uh, he he was the other one of the few like there's like three or four black people who've been in my college improv troupe yeah uh, and he was like one of them and I my senior year he was like working with the school on something and I remember being like wait that's Ron he was black and he was in Fleabag we must meet uh, and so like we like began a rapport and he actually gave me my first like acting job when I moved out to LA which was like touring in this diversity show called the Black Jew Dialogues and um, and, you know, he has been, like, a constant source. It's, like, he doesn't know the industry at all, but he's been, like, a constant source of, like, encouragement, I think, mostly around being black and being yeah. young and being creative um, and what and the forms and ways that that can, uh, like, the shape that that can take. Um, and, yeah, he's somebody I, like, talk to on the phone every once in a while. But he's, like, I don't know. He would be the only, I think, mentor, I would yeah. say, of somebody who is consistently checked in on my progress, encouraged my growth, suggested avenues to Yeah, explore. but that was big for you, it sounds like. Huge. Yeah. I think it was crazy to move out here and within, like, I quit, you know, I quit my, like, my part-time day job and was able to, like, more wholly pursue acting because I could confidently say that, like, I was making money acting. Like, I don't know, I think I got to say I was uh, a professional performer way before a lot of people do. And right. I think that did a lot for me uh, confidence wise of like, yeah, I'm doing, I'm here doing the right stuff. Yeah. If you, if you could impart advice or wisdom or something you've learned, what would that be? Or it could be like, I guess, have you heard, has anybody told you anything that like really stuck with you too? Uh, I mean, I would, you know, especially given the nature of this podcast, I mean, I do think I would like, in part, I mean, I would encourage you to, uh, even though even though I learned a bit word of mouth, I'd encourage you to go listen to whatever Jordan Peele said on his episode of You Made It Weird. I think like <laughs> there's really something about that idea of like how do you, you know, as using the the word of, that we use of like cultivate yeah. this sense of internal, uh, this internal confidence of like when you act. You are good, and that doesn't that doesn't come from 
that doesn't come from the response you get to your performance. Right. That's something you manifest and generate within yourself. Um, and it's like, once you have that, I think you, you are really setting yourself up for success because you're not going to, I don't know, you like, if they, if you don't have that, you're, you are, your ability is at the mercy of your audience right. and every audience is different and no audience, I would say most audiences are wrong. Uh, so, uh, at some point, how do you know, what does it take for you to know that you are good, um, that you are talented, mm-hmm. um, and that one day, one audience, two audiences, even five audiences can't, maybe 10, we should start like asking ourselves some questions, but like, uh, on like any given day, getting a negative response to your performance is not, a, is not defining, uh, yeah. that, you know, internally that you are good, that you've got the sauce, uh, and that, you know, uh, lay it on thick. Yeah, man. What's that Jordan Peele podcast called again? Uh, it's, it's Pete Holmes podcast. Yeah. You okay. made it weird. Uh, and it's, but it's Jordan Peele's episode. I think again, uh, (laughs) it's so crazy for me to be like, I base this like core philosophy that has helped me do well in this industry on like hearsay. It was just my friend Alex being like, he said this. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That thing Jordan Peele said, that's how I live my life now. Um, and it's like, and it's like, he might not, he might never know that that's like, what made you? I mean, my you know, dream is I get to tell him. I get to, and then he goes, "Oh, did I say that?" And I go, "You did." And it, no, he it goes, is the reason he goes, we're meeting today." He goes, "I've never done that podcast." <laughs> exactly, and I'm like, "Wait, hold on, Alex." <laughs> and then I find out that my friend Alex has a lot of prejudice, and he thinks that Keegan Michael Key and Jordan Peele are the same person, yeah. and it's like, "Oh my god!" Then your uh, universe has shifted. God. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna recap the notes I've been taking. Oh um, wow. You didn't know I was taking uh, notes this whole time. I mean, I've seen you taking notes, but I was like, "Oh, we get a, I get a full." I'm, I'm very intrigued. Uh, uh, yeah, man, I'm gonna recap, recap you. But also, feel free to correct me. Uh, I am not infallible. I make mistakes all the time. So if I'm wrong on any of these, please say so. Okay. okay. Be comfortable failing, knowing there is a second attempt on the way. Mm-hmm. Process the failure in a positive way. Cut out doubt. Find moments of you shining, even if others don't see it. Know Mm -hmm. you're good regardless of the result. Mm -hmm. Put in the hours to get the experience in your process. Find Mm -hmm. what you love and find when you shine. Cultivate not needing approval. That's so big. Therapy. Find a way to move your body in a positive way. Mm -hmm. Find a creative outlet. Surround yourself with people who have qualities you want to have more of. Find a mentor. Jordan Peele on You Made It Weird. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Don't not be atta- sure. Yeah, we're not sure about that one. Don't be attached to the external response. Know internally that you are good and that you got the sauce. There you go, dude. Uh, Is there yeah, anything was, you want to change That's or everything add? I've said. Yeah, that's everything uh, I've said. In a much cleaner uh, and concise way. It's hard to like listen and take notes at the same time and then like word it in the way you word it. Cause I also don't want to like change there were a couple the intention. There were a couple of dunks on your, there was like, I think especially after like the belonging thing, you like brought it back to me in a way that I was like, okay, I need to write that down. Cause that's how I should say this from now on. Uh, uh well, anything you want to add? Um, 
you know, uh, if you haven't heard it, the uh, Blood Orange remix of Borderline by Tame Impala is really fantastic. Uh, if you're looking for a jam to go enjoy after you've listened to this podcast. Oh, man, I'm going to do it. I'm going to listen to <laughs> there it. There you go. Uh, uh, thank you so, so much for your time. I really, really appreciate you. Um, I know you're busy unpacking and moving into your, your new house, <laughs> so I really appreciate you. I got time. I got time. And this was a, this is a fantastic podcast. Uh, it's honestly, it was fun to like, it's always fun to like, uh, you know, uh, part of all of this trauma and stuff was that my issues and things that I uh, experienced were things that I like withheld because I was yeah. like, well, these aren't important. What's important is you and liking me. Uh, and so it's like fun. It's I enjoy and it feels good to be like, you know what? What I went through was bad. And let me share it with you. So yeah. I uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity uh, to talk in, in, a, in a way that manifests something positive. Yeah, man. Of course. I, I love, I think that might be like, I've been thinking a lot about purpose. I don't know if you ever mm -hmm. think about like, what is my purpose in life? Yes. And I've been thinking a lot about like values, right? I want to have like four words that are like values to me that... Mm -hmm if I'm ever indecisive or if I ever don't know, I can like go back to these, my purpose or my values. I yes. think one might be like providing a space for like honest, real, maybe hard conversations. Um, mm -hmm. So it's really nice of you to say that because it's very in line with what I've been thinking about. Hell yes, dude. <laughs> uh, excited to have uh, encouraged this, this journey of understanding your purpose and values. Thanks for listening to this episode of How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? I'd love to hear from listeners about things that have helped you build your confidence. Whether that's a mantra, a routine, maybe a favorite book or an event that you went through, leave it in the review section. Or if you have a question regarding confidence that you'd love to hear discussed on this podcast, you can leave that in the review section as well and I'll check it out. Thanks again.